Psalms are so rich and full of praise, but they also have deep and important truth to teach us about living for Jesus. So let's dive into Psalm 1. Here's Pastor David. We're going to start with the first psalm, first verse. And we're not going to get any further, so. It says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. It's a lot happening there. A lot of instruction, a lot of wisdom from, in a poetic form, in a passionate form. The psalmist is telling us what it looks like to be a blessed person. What it looks like to be a blessed person. I suppose you could read it as you receive blessings from this, but it's more like the person who is living this way is in a state of being blessed. It's experiencing the blessings of God because he or she is living this way. The idea here is that there is the kingdom way and that when you live the kingdom way, you're going to experience blessing. Now, don't get me wrong. Let's not get right out of the gate because there's going to be a lot in this first psalm as we go through it that's talking about kind of the blessings and, and who we are and in God and so on and so forth. And just let's be clear. I'm not talking about your financial blessings. I'm not talking about you being healthy all the time. I'm not talking about all those kinds of things. That may happen. In fact, it often does, but there's certainly no guarantee, and that's certainly not what this psalm is promising. What we're being promised here is the kinds of blessings that are eternal, the kinds of blessings that no matter what happens, you feel good about. See, here's the thing. We, I think that what's happened in the last, say, 100 years, I'm not that old, but I've, I've been around a little while. I think what's happened is there was a time when like, stuff was hard, right? Some of you were old enough to know when life was a lot harder. And when I say harder, I just mean like physically harder. Like I got to go out. Still, when we go to Honduras, they got to go out and collect wood to do the cooking. Okay, they don't have to do much heating because it's relatively warm there. But they got to do the cooking. They got to go get the wood. They got to they collect the wood. They gotta, there's just a lot more work. And we used to have to do a lot of stuff and people would die more easily. We have something like what's happened now and, and there's, there's a lot of concern. But this would have been more normal. Women died more often in childbirth. People died from death and disease because either doctors weren't around or they didn't have the answers to those things. We had smallpox. We had polio. We had all these things that would go on. And what's happened is I think that we've thought to ourselves, this is sort of the modern philosophical. When I say modern, I mean kind of 1600s to about 1950. The idea is we're going to, through science and through thought and through reason, we're going to start to make all these things to make life easier. Okay? Just think about... The, the movement of technology. Hey, a wheel. Wow, that's easier to roll stuff with. You know, and, and you move on to, oh, I put the ox on the thing and I can use the ox to do whatever to all the way to the analog of that. Hey, I can make a tractor. I just turn it on, put some gas in it. Here we go. And on and on and on to things like iPhones. And if I want, oh, my light is on. I'm just trying to shine my light in the world. There we go. If I want to, I can go on here, door dash it up, and I want food, hot food. I'm like, bloop, bloop, bloop. And Jeff comes and drives uh, an order of hot food to my door. Drops it. Now because of the COVID, they just drop it. I don't have to mess with the person. They just drop it off on your porch. And they send you a text with a picture of it on your porch. And you're like, hey, there's food out there. It's magic, right? We have made things so easy. You feel a little warm? 
Flip on the air conditioning. You don't have to hike up a mountain to get colder, right? We have ice cream. You think they had ice cream when there were no freezers? No, right? We have all kinds of stuff. And more and more and more and more and more, we have taken the things that are hard in life and found technological solutions to make them easier. And what has happened to our state of general happiness? Because remember, the equation was, we get rid of all this work, we become much happier. Eh. Did not work. We are not happier. Go back and read the books that people wrote when they had to write them by candlelight because they didn't have electricity and their son just had died of, you know, whatever and they're going through this difficult life and they understood the difficulty of life but they had no expectation that everything should be easy and so on and you'll see they're just as happy if not probably much happier than the average person is today who doesn't have to do anything, right? We're like those people, if you've seen the movie Wall-E, and they're like on the ship and they just all ride around in these things all day, drinking Slurpees and like looking at the screen. This far. We're this far from that right now, right? There's a reason why they made that movie and it's funny because we're this far away from that. And it did not increase the happiness of the folks in Wally and it's not going to increase our happiness. It's not going to increase our happiness. There are two ways. There are two paths. We read about it and we studied it when we did our uh, series in the Sermon on the Mount called Right Side Up recently. You can go back and watch those online if you want to. And we saw what Jesus said about it, about the kingdom way and the way of the world. And this, is, this, is what, this is one of the things that Jesus said during that Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 7, 13 through 14. It says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. There is no question there are two ways. One that describes the life, the way of life that leads to blessing. To being a blessed person. Blessed man, blessed woman walks this way. The other describes the person that is destroying themselves and destroying others. The road that leads to destruction. That which Jesus talks about there, we are going to see throughout this first psalm. These two paths, these two ways. Now, there are a lot of people that will tell you that there are many ways. There are many ways, right? All roads lead to heaven, says the world. And that sounds so tolerant and understanding and so nice The problem is that it's so obviously untrue. Obviously untrue. Those are lies. People who say you do you and all roads lead to heaven, all roads lead to God, whatever it is they say. They are lies and they are horrible lies. Beyond the clear clear and obvious violation, breaking of the logical law of non-contradiction, which if you want to know more about that, you can go watch we have several skeptic series that are on the website if you want to hear about the law of non-contradiction. And I know it sounds exciting to learn about. Um, you can go check that out. But beyond that, the, we, I don't think we would want all roads to lead to the same place. I can think of some people who I don't want to be on the same, I don't want to be heading to the same place as. Because that would suggest that there's no justice, that love would have no meaning, that a person who does evil and calls it good is essentially on the same road as the person who does actual good, true good. I don't like that. 
I don't like that. Everything under that series or system of all roads lead to the same place. That means everything is true, which means nothing is true. It's not desirable. No, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Jesus is the truth. That's it. There are two ways, two roads, only two. Following Jesus is one way. Okay? That's a particular way. The narrow path, Jesus calls it. Here we talk about the righteous person, right? The godly person in in Psalm 1. The other road, there's only one other road. You're like, but wait, there's a lot of other ways besides Jesus. Yep, it's all the same road. There's the Jesus road and there's the not Jesus road. You're on the Jesus road or you're on the wide road. That's why it's wide. It's got room for lots of ways. Those are the two ways. Would it be nice for me to be able to tell you, hey, it's anything you want. Do you whatever? Would I be more popular? I don't know, maybe. But I'd rather be telling you the truth. And the truth is, there are two ways. This psalm is going to make it very clear what those ways are and what they look like. The person who follows Jesus is blessed. The person who does not follow Jesus is not. Now, I'm not saying they may not have health or wealth or something like that, but those are not the blessings we're talking about here. Those are not the things that comfort you in the darkness of night. Your money cannot help. You can't eat money when, when things go bad. Everything's, everything is so easy, right? We, as we said earlier, with the technology and the whatever, and we feel like we don't really necessarily need God that much. Some of us sort of pay him that Sunday morning thing. Like For some people, it's kind of like insurance. It's like, I'm going to live like this all week. I might as well go ahead and put my time in on Sunday morning. Maybe get a little check at Mark in the other box or whatever, right? But we feel like we can get along without him. So many people in this town, in this area, feel like they can until what? Until bad things happen. Until the electricity goes out and there's no one to call at the police when someone's at your door. We run out of food. We have a pandemic, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, all that confidence that people have in themselves goes away. And they start to realize, you know what? Everything that I've done on my way does not provide the answers I need when things actually get difficult. And every one of us will face the end of our lives if the Lord doesn't come back first for those of us who are saved. We'll face those difficulties. And if you don't have answers because your way was the wide way and it just led to destruction, that will be your answer. Destruction. And there will be no hope. Praise God, there's hope in Jesus. So the person who follows Jesus is blessed, and the person who does not is not. First Psalm, out of the gate, it's just singing this truth. Literally, it's what it's for. It's a song with wisdom and emotion. And the first thing we learn in this song of wisdom is not what the blessed person does, but what he or she does not do. Does not do. It starts that way. It says this. Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, this is an important one. Let's let's dig in with our minds here because this is a really interesting one that I've found. As an attorney, attorney and counselor at law, and as a pastor where part of my role is counseling, uh, this is figurative language. Walks in the counsel. Obviously, you don't walk literally in counsel. 
right? But it's figurative language, it's poetry, but it's really clear to understand, right? Walking in someone's counsel is living out the counsel that you've been given, the advice or the purpose or the whatever that someone has given you, then you walk it out, you live it out. So walking in the counsel of who? Of the ungodly. Here we are specifically talking about ungodly people, which is to say people who are not following Jesus. It's that simple. They're ungodly. They don't know any better. They're, we, we call people lost people because they're lost, just like you and I were. Lost people who are not following Jesus. They're living morally wrong lives. They're just doing their path, their way, not God's way. Wicked people, which you and I were prior to the saving grace of Jesus Christ through faith. They have not been made new in Christ. They have not been made spiritually alive. Now, that doesn't mean that people who don't follow Christ could never give good advice. We know, Romans 2 and our experience tells us, there's sometimes the people who are not believers give good advice. They also can do the math and figure out, you know, should I jump off this cliff or not jump off this cliff? Most of them are going to be like, it's probably going to hurt if you jump off the cliff, right? They're not all like, jump off, jump off. We don't know any better. That's not what I'm saying. It's not that they can't ever give good advice. But those who have not built their houses on the rock of Jesus Christ are not dependable sources of advice and counsel. They're not dependable because while they may be right about some things, they have not built their foundation on the right things in general. They have not built their foundation in God. You do not share a foundation for your morality, for the way you live your life, for the way you are in your family, for the way you are sexually, for the way you are with your money, and all those things. You do not have a common foundation with an unbeliever. So while they may, you may have a Venn diagram, and in the middle of that, there are some things that you share. The fact is, you don't know what's in and what's out of that Venn diagram with the ungodly. So you cannot rely on them for advice because they're not going to the common source. They're ungodly. Their advice is corrupted by sin. The same sin that corrupted us all before we were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's just the way it is. I would not want someone to have come to me for advice in my pre-saved, unregenerate, unsaved state. They're not likely to have gotten the best advice. Here's where I would really warn you. There are times and there are situations in life where you need some counsel. And for some folks, it goes kind of like this. Maybe when they need counsel, they go and they find maybe uh, a brother, sister, a series of brothers and sisters in Christ who are mature, godly, biblical. They pray with them about their issue. They go to scripture. They get good advice. Okay. But all too often, the problem with that advice is it's really not the advice the person wanted to hear. And so they do this, they run the option, and they go, you know what, I know other Christians, and they're thinking the specific ones in their mind, maybe not quite as mature, maybe not quite as long in the Lord, maybe not quite as knowledgeable of the Scripture yet, right? Maybe younger Christians, baby Christians, and they go, I'll go to them, they're still Christians. And so they go to them. And they, and they try to get advice there. And the advice is a little more to their liking, but these are Christians, so it probably still isn't exactly what they want to hear. And they go, you know what? That's a, a bummer. I kind of really wanted to hear this thing because that's what I want to do, right? And so then they go, you know, Stacy and Billy and Jimmy and Bob, 
they're unbelievers, but they're quote unquote good people, right? People think they're good people. So they probably have good advice, but they don't follow Christ. And they go to Billy, G- I don't remember what I said, Stacy, Jimmy, and Bob, and surprise, they give exactly the advice that you wanted to hear. And you're like, okay, that's good. And then you walk in that. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. Three times in the Proverbs, the Bible talks about the benefits of a multitude of counselors. Godly counselors. Acts Church is led by a group of elders who counsel one another and make decisions to try to serve God's will for this body. A multitude of counselors. We have a staff that I constantly seek counsel from, godly counsel from, for day-to-day decisions about what we do here. I also have my wife and I have friends and I have many of you who I go to when I need counsel. A lot of times that means that I have to adjust what I wanted to do according to the counsel that I've received about what I ought to do. I have to submit to the godly counsel of people in my life. That's what wisdom looks like. Wisdom looks like that. Listening to and walking in the counsel of the godly. It's what we're talking about here. Now, if you find yourself seeking counsel from the world and from those who don't follow Christ, you are likely to go astray, far astray. And you will not experience the blessings of a godly person because the inverse of this verse, blessed if is the one who does not walk in the, in the counsel of the ungodly, says something about what happens to the person who does walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Implied is not blessed, not experienced blessing, not in that state of being blessed because you're not walking in the counsel of the godly. You'll want to be sure and check out the next episode as we continue to learn about godly and ungodly counsel and a lot more. Let me also invite you to join us for church this Sunday morning. Axe Church is really easy to find in Vancouver, Washington, and all the info you need is just a click away at axechurchnw.org. Hope to see you this Sunday. And we hope you'll be with us next time for part two in our study of Psalm 1 here on Contemplate.